0: Hi, I'm Isaac, lead pastor of New Hope Foursquare Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Find out more at www.inewhope.org. So, who's done with Christmas shopping? Ooh, there are some. Who hasn't started? (laughs) Yeah, I think the who hasn't starteds are winning. (laughs) You know, some people are planners. And some people are less, but all of us, I don't care who you are or how organized you are, we all have some sort of an idea in our heads of how life might go. We imagine ourselves in in jobs, we imagine ourselves in families, we imagine ourselves in love stories. I have a really good one by the way. <laughs> We do that. Peyton said that hers is better. Ow, Peyton. You wait 32 years and we'll talk, (laughs) (laughs) But the point is we all kind of think about how things should go, and then, bam, something happens that we never saw coming. So have you seen those like Inspirational posters with the nice pictures and the good message. Oh, there's one. Oh. It's a good saying, isn't it? You know? It's such a pretty picture. But you know what? I see this picture and I'm thinking hey, people, if it's about the journey, where's the girl dangling from the side of the mountain, like dirty, sweaty, <laughs> struggling to get up? No. She's at the top, and she's just fresh as a daisy, right? (laughs) It's the Instagram photo, people. This is it, right? Who posts their ugly, grody pictures on Instagram? No, it's all shiny and polished, and everybody looks like everything's going really well. Because we live in a very, very goal-oriented society. Even in our Christian lives... You know, so many of us are all about, we're out of here to get to heaven. And many of us miss out on all the things that we can be actively a part of God's kingdom right now, right here on earth. And we don't appreciate the journey because we resent the detours. We don't want to dangle from the side of a mountain, do we? That doesn't sound fun. We want the Star Trek variety of going to heaven. You know, beam me up, Scotty, I'm out of here. Sadly, that's not how it works. So, we'll go with my confession first. We'll get to you later. When I was younger, I was very goal-oriented, really driven, And I didn't appreciate the journey very much along the way, but I had, you know, I I like to be a helper. And so I had decided along the way that my variety of helping would be to be a doctor. And as you can imagine, that involves a really lot of goal setting, goal, goal, goal. It involves negative money, not just little money, you're spending a lot of money. And pretty much no free time. So, you know, with no money, no free time, what journey are you enjoying? You're just going, right? <laughs> Nevertheless, here I was plowing along on this road, and I hit this like, ink. The summer after I was uh, in my first year of medical school, there's only one break in medical school, and it's between first and second year, I was 21 years old, and boom, I broke my neck. I think they put a picture up there. See, people don't know that about me. I haven't broken or done a whole lot of things, but when I did, they were spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) So this is kind of me dangling from a mountain, but if we really wanted to see me dangling from a mountain, you would have seen me flat in a hospital bed, screws in my head, like literally screws, weights hanging off the bed, in an intensive care where every single person was paralyzed but me it was pretty gnarly right i looked like bride of frankenstein so i had some very serious neurosurgery i had to drop out of school for a year and move in with my parents like i had a little bell and they'd pick me up and it was like this whole thing so you're thinking, oh my, that's terrible. And it was, it was a significant detour, but pretty much I got right back to school. But I, I was stopped short there. I remember my mom said, I said something like, I'll never complain again. And she said, take it back right now. If that's <laughs> never going to happen. You know? <laughs> but you have this deep gratitude, like I'm not paralyzed. But God captured my attention as I had to sit there and think about, what if I were paralyzed? what would I have done? What would my life have become? Well, fast forward about 20 years. I'm now in my 40s, working part-time with my husband in Silverton at a family practice, raising five kids, attending New Hope right here. We've been here forever, 27 years. And we were real involved with all these things when, boom, illness struck this time. I had a viral encephalitis that led to brain lesions that led to this blah, 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 and I ended up very disabled. So that's a picture of me with one of my granddaughters, whom I will see to celebrate birthdays this week in Alaska. But what happened was I got so sick that I had to use a wheelchair whenever I was outside of my home. I had to quit working. I couldn't drive. It was rough. It turned out to be that the first one with the broken neck, that was like mini nothing compared to this. I was sick for 10 and a half years. This was my life. This was my reality. A really, really big disappointing detour. What about you? Can you relate? Things are going pretty well and then boom, you get that phone call from your doctor And he says the C word. And just like that, and I mean just like that, suddenly you're immersed in a world where your trips are to chemotherapy. Your conversations are with medical personnel and your idea of a big night is six hours of sleep without puking. And suddenly that's like, that's your life. And you're like, what is going on here? Or maybe... You're enjoying yourself. You're finally on a nice vacation. You're getting a break to go away. And boom, your car breaks down in the middle of nowhere. I said first service. This happens to Bob and Sue Smith a lot, but they're not here to laugh about. <laughs> it's like, in the middle of nowhere, their motorhome is broken down, you know. But even worse, sometimes you're in the car 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 comes, veers at you, and just like that, you've lost the love of your life. How do you go on? You find yourself completely alone. So many, 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 many things come into our lives that we didn't plan. You know all those plans? I'm a planner. Trust me. You know all those planners who are planning Christmas? There's so many things we didn't plan for. Failed businesses, PTSD from all kinds of violence, addictions, divorce, detours of so many kinds. And if we're honest, sometimes we choose something that's wrong, but boy, we end up so much farther away than we meant to be. The detour is much bigger. We didn't know we were choosing that poorly and some things, like illness, they, they just choose us, and they take us off on a completely different path. And meanwhile, we're thinking, Lord, what is happening? I did not plan on this. Like, in my thing, it was like, I was serving the Lord. I was doing good things. What? Why, what is going on? Why am I sick, sitting at home, doing nothing when I could be seeing patients? Like, how can this be part of my life how God how how is this part of your story how does that make sense or maybe there's a couple of you here and maybe a many who've thought you know what I don't I don't even know if God exists because how could a good God let this happen to me let this happen to you how could this happen Well, the word that the Lord has for us today is for all of us, for all those different scenarios. Because today we're going to look at a woman whose life turned out far different than she had planned, but we're going to look at how she actually responded to that. So let's pray before we go to God's word. Lord God, Pastor James said that you breathe into us and we breathe out. Lord, I ask that right now when I breathe out, when I breathe out what I believe you've given us this message for today, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come, translate my simple words to each heart so that each person would hear exactly what they need to hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. So. Last week, we heard a really wonderful message from Pastor Trish about Elizabeth. If you weren't here, listen to it. It was fabulous. About this lady who remained faithful, even though her journey didn't go the way she thought it was going to go. And in the end, she had amazing blessing. Today, we're going to look at another woman of Advent whose life also didn't turn out like she planned. It's a little-known old lady named Anna Pastor Isaac asked me to preach about this a while ago. And I looked it up, and I was like, you know, I kind of remembered Anna, but not very much. I'm like, there's three verses! Like, great. (laughs) Okay, Andrea, you're going to preach a sermon on three verses. (laughs) About the very old lady. He was like, yeah. I'm not saying he was typecasting, but, you know. (laughs) Maybe. But you know what? The more I sat with Anna and studied and prepared for you, for me, God, God just put Anna on my heart. Now, she is purposely included in scripture. And the more I think about it, the more times I read through the Bible, those people and those little bit parts, they've got a lot to teach us. So next time you're passing by some little name that nobody, Epaphroditus, Cleopas, those guys, stop. Stop and see what God's telling you about them. So today, we're going to look at the not-so-famous Anna and see how her life intersects with the coming of Jesus. So let's think about some background for the scripture here. First, keep in mind that Anna and Jesus are both Jewish. So they're both participating in rites and rituals that are Jewish things to do. In Luke 1.21, we're told that Jesus was named and circumcised on the eighth day Orthodox Jews still do that. We read that Mary and Joseph have now come to the temple for the rite of purification that is customary 40 days after birth, and they're going to be dedicating Jesus to the Lord. Isn't that interesting that Jesus was dedicated? Simeon, an old man whom the scriptures describe as a person who'd been also eagerly waiting the Messiah, he was there when Mary, Joseph, and Jesus came in. And he was overcome by the spirit. And he proclaimed that this baby Jesus was the salvation that had been prepared for all people. The Messiah had arrived. Now this, into this spot is where Anna comes in. Let's pick up in the second chapter of Luke verse 36. Anna, a prophetess, was also there in the temple that day. She was the daughter of Phanuel of the Jewish tribe of Asher and was very old, for she had been a widow for 84 years following seven years of marriage. She never left the temple but stayed there night and day, worshiping God by praying and often fasting. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph and she also began thanking God and telling everyone in Jerusalem who'd been awaiting the coming of the Savior that the Messiah had finally arrived. That's a good Advent story, huh? So only three verses, yes, but what a little mini biography here of Anna, isn't it? First of all, let's pay attention that since she was Jewish, we've already ascertained that, she would have been told taught Old Testament scriptures from when she was really little. So she would have heard over and over and over again that a Messiah was to come. Secondly, we again note she was very old. Not well along like Elizabeth last week. No, this lady is flat out very old. Now some of the commentators think that it translates to 84 but there were quite a few who thought that it was like she got married about 14 was the age, was married for 7 years That would make her 21 when she was widowed. And then she lived another 84 years as a widow, 105. That's older than my mom, okay? Next. I love my mama next she was living in an era so imagine she's 21 i was 21 when i broke my neck i moved in with my parents you know they helped me she's 21 she has no husband you're pretty much destitute when you're left without a husband and as there's no mention of children you said that last week too that we don't know if she had children or not but probably not or they would have been mentioned so no husband, no children probably. And the other thing I wanted to bring up was when we're thinking about the context in which Anna is living, we need to notice the history of that time period. She lived either 84 or 105 years through bloody war and rebellion, Roman conquests, Jewish rebellions. There was bad stuff happening all over. And that is why so many people expected the Messiah to be a military conqueror because they were fighting constantly. There's a professor by the names of James Tabor who said this, when you understand the history surrounding the birth of Jesus, a whole new set of images is added to the Christmas story, right? Crucified corpses rotting on crosses, the nearby capital city in flames. And fellow citizens either killed or exiled into slavery. Again, those little Christmas cards we have, they're very whitewashed. They're Instagram ready as well. I I don't see any rotten things on my Christmas cards, but uh, that that's kind of what it would have been. It was bloody and horrible. This is Anna's world, a world of poverty. Solitary loneliness and surrounded by violence and discord. But when you read those verses, there's not a word of complaint, not a hint of resentment or self-pity about her life or her circumstances. Instead, what do we hear? Anna was worshiping God. The first thing I believe that we can learn from Anna's life is that no matter what our situation is, we too can persevere with purpose. You know what? There's persevering. There's surviving despite your circumstances. And then there's thriving, right? I propose to you that Anna was actually thriving in this really, really hard circumstance she was in. She was living that flourishing life that Pastor Isaac's been talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. See, I'm checking to see if you've been listening. No. <laughs> no. Okay, I will. So let's look at it. Plan A for Anna was probably to be a wife and a mother. Plan A was gone, just like Elizabeth last week. You know, her plan A too was she wanted to be a mom. Well, like not till way late. This lady, no miracle baby here, sorry. Uh We already read the scripture, no miracle baby. But what happened when she hit this detour? What does it say she did? She worshiped. She fasted, and she prayed. Now, you might say, well, that sounds kind of boring. But it works out really well. My imagination, when I read this, is that she didn't just pick up worshiping, fasting, and praying. That she continued worshiping, fasting, and praying, as she had always done. But now she could do it even more. And she looked forward with hope despite her circumstances. She knew that a Messiah was coming, right? Scripture tells us that Anna was a prophetess, right? Sometimes prophets actually foretell the future, but in the broader meaning of the word, a prophet is one who proclaims truth about God and receives insight into things that normally remain hidden to ordinary people. That's both wonderful and hard. It's my my belief that our pastor is very much a prophet gifted by God. He encourages us and he says hard things to us because he's seeking hard after what God wants for us. I believe that that was Anna. And I would surmise that this time she spent with the Lord made her able to prophesy. So Anna was a Jewish girl who read Old Testament. Think with me. Imagine yourself back there when her husband died. What might she have read? She might have read Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Or maybe Isaiah 46, 10, that, that's the Lord speaking in this. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. So Anna had a deep faith and a comfort to carry on, even when life was at its worst. You know, we have two men in our church, Mike Evans and Dan Leesey, who both lost the loves of their life not long ago. They both, I've heard them both say, God has a plan for my future. They live this kind of hopeful life that God's purposes prevail. And even though they miss their spouses, they believe that there's a future for them. So you guys are thinking, oh, great, this Anna's a prophet and, you know, she's praying all the time. Well, you thinking you're no prophet, right? Right. Well, guess what? I'm no preacher and I'm here. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Detour, detour, detour. Oh, guess what? You're preaching. Oh, okay. Right? <laughs> if you're here today and you're still breathing, God has a purpose for you. Same mama. My mama is 95, not 105. She asks me sometimes, in German, why she's still here. She has a purpose. God has a purpose for her. Like Anna, I thought so much of her. She's had so many hard detours in her life. She was an orphan as a child in Germany, lived through horrors of World War II as a teenager, was widowed, lost a child, and then had a sick daughter. Yet she never, ever stopped serving people, and she still gets up and serves people every day, mostly me. Right? (laughs) But if you're nice, she'll make you some cookies. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Pastor Chris really likes her cookies. (laughs) Now, we have not only those words from the Old Testament, but we have New Testament too. Listen to what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That's good. Amen. So good. What does the Lord have planned for you? I mean, you might find yourself on a detour towards the goals that you had in mind, but do you know God could have something better for you? Yeah, that's so good. Huh. Someone who shall remain nameless but is sitting right there <laughs> and is related to me. She told me this week that her plan for a job for next year with a judge she wanted can't happen because it's happening in the middle of the year and so it's out. And the first thing I said to her, God has something better for you. God has something better for you. Is that what you tell each other? Is that what you tell your kids? God has a better plan for you. The next lesson I think we need to learn from Anna is to actually pray with promise in mind. We get the idea that Anna was very big on praying. She never left the temple but stayed there night and day worshiping God by praying and often fasting. Some commentators believe she lived there. Remember, she would be in poverty, and there was like an area for women, the court of women, where they thought there might be little cubicles, that she lived this humble life. But that way, she was involved in the life of the church. But think about it. If you're praying day and night, you wouldn't do it if it didn't matter. I was so struck when Pastor Isaac told us that he had been to the abbey and met a young man who had been to medical school, finished, was like on his way, and quit to become a monk because a monk can do so much more praying than he could be, do as a doctor. Wow. Isn't that, that's like, I haven't forgotten that one. So Anna knew that praying mattered. Maybe she grew up reciting Jeremiah 29, 12. Then you call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen. Now, notice this verse doesn't say, Come and pray to me, and everything is going to turn out the way you expected. And Anna would have also been taught what was, is very familiar to us at Christmas time Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Anna would have been praying, expecting a child to be born. She would have been praying, waiting for the Messiah to come. She would have been praying, believing the promises of God. Do we do that? Hmm. Henry Nouwen has said that prayer is both our first obligation as well as our highest calling. Aren't you thinking, I'm kind of thinking, highest calling? Really? Praying? Shouldn't we, like, be doing something? Right? Now, who who knows uh, Pastor Ron McGregor here? He's a retired pastor who's been part of this church some. And they've moved away now. But just imagine him if you know him. And if not, I'll give you the picture. He would, like, get really, really hot under the collar if someone would come up and say something like this. Well all we can do is pray and he'd be just like what what do you mean just pray you know those are the biggest guns we've got right that's what he would say and we have a lot of people in our church body who know that's true Now, sadly, it is the people who are older because they get it by now. Can't we get it now? What's wrong with us? Pastor Dave and Doris, gosh, Pastor Dave had us, they were at first service. He had a stroke right after Christmas last year. It wasn't but a couple of weeks when they would let him out that he came to prayer time in a wheelchair as soon as he could to be at prayer time, right? Gladys and Harvey Krim. Gladys had a brain bleed. She had burr holes put. Harvey came without her, gave us report. We prayed, we prayed. As soon as she could, as soon as she was allowed, she was back at prayer time. These people know something, right, that we need to know. Now, Jesus himself, who is, in fact, a bigger authority than Pastor Ron, he said this in John fifteen seven. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So abiding is praying, and praying is abiding. So while I was preparing for this message today, I pulled out a book that I, that I read many years ago. It's called The Kneeling Christian. Guess what it's about? Yeah. It's about praying, right? And listen to this quote. I literally flipped through because I remember it from like, gosh, it must have been 20 years ago I read this book. It says this, because it always is just stuck with me. When we are looking over life's finished story, the most amazing feature of that life as it is looked back upon will be its prayerlessness. Yikes. We shall be almost beside ourselves with astonishment that we spent so little time in real intercession. Isn't that sobering? Does that like uh I'm like I am so convicted I can't even tell you. Do we pray like we believe God's promises? No believer is exempt from this calling to prayer. It doesn't matter if you're very young or very old or very healthy or very sick. If your mind works, you can pray. That's all that's required. If you're very busy doing very important things, or you're not so important and have hardly anything to do, the call is the same. To pray without ceasing. The last thing I think that the life of Anna shows us is that we should proclaim with passion. Passion. A lot of commentators say that Anna was the first missionary to proclaim the good news of that first Christmas. The Messiah had come, a Savior had been born, and he was, and still is, Emmanuel, God with us. So it says that Anna came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. Simeon was a devout follower of God like Anna, and he was also expecting the Messiah to come. In fact, the Lord had promised him that he would see the Savior before he died. So here's what he says. Lord, now I can die content. For I have seen him as you promised me I would. I have seen the Savior you have given to the world. He is the light that will shine upon the nations. And he will be the glory of your people, Israel. And we know Anna was there. She heard this. And she agreed. And what does she do? She also began thanking God. And what did she do? She went to tell everyone in Jerusalem who had been awaiting the coming of the Savior that the Messiah had finally arrived. So I know this is the women of Advent, but you know, but I shouldn't be making any sexist remarks, because I'll be, you know, criticized. <laughs> But it does seem that when God wants to spread some news, (laughs) good old Simeon, he's just ready to die peacefully and is on the move telling everyone, right? (laughs) God always makes sure he tells some women the news that he wants to get around. So when Jesus rises from the dead, who's the first at the tomb? The women. Now, if this were a fabricated story, it doesn't make sense to have women, because women were not even allowed to testify in a court of law. They were not important enough, right? So he told women that news, the Samaritan woman at the well, she said straight out to Jesus, are you the one, are you the Messiah? He says yes. She goes back and tells her whole town. And now it's my turn. It's my turn to proclaim with passion. I want to tell you uh, a very short version of the rest of the story about that second detour in my life. I've told it here a bunch of times before, but I'm going to tell it again because I don't get tired of telling of the goodness of God. My joke is that God gave me a really good story because I have a really big mouth. Okay? I tell people all the time, grocery store, Costco, it doesn't matter, I tell people all the time. So that situation, the whole wheelchair situation, that went on for many years. And listen, my husband's a doctor, I'm a doctor. We did every medical thing. I went to so many neurologists. I went to the Mayo Clinic. We dropped huge amounts of money there, right? But I was getting worse and worse. So my husband, my husband would carry me a lot. People here saw him carry me out of here quite often. Sometimes I crawled up the stairs. I, my body just didn't work. I couldn't drive. I couldn't work. I couldn't walk down the driveway without collapsing. And a lot of times I couldn't talk. Everyone who was in my small group remembers that because I wouldn't shut up even when it was over. <laughs> like i'm in here i'm in here i want i want to be heard pastor ray gets it you want to be heard right but so many many people kept praying for me i want you to hear people think i'm like magical oh god healed you you know what he did but i was prayed for hundreds and thousands of times I'm not kidding. My husband alone prayed for 10 and a half years every night that count, you know, thousands of times. And I will forever be grateful because on August 4th, 2013, I was in a time of concentrated worship and prayer in my room. I cried out to God, take this. He said yes. And I was instantly healed. I have never used a wheelchair since that day. And that big detour, that 10 and a half years. Sorry, just kidding. It was so worth being touched by God, to hear His voice. I'd never heard that before. And to be flooded with His peace and His love in that way. I wouldn't trade 10 and a half years of being sick. It was worth it. And now Pastor Isaac has asked me to be on staff. And I've been very privileged to start the Stephen ministry here. Just knowing wonderful people in that ministry. And together, we're advancing the kingdom in Salem, Oregon, together. Really, really big detours can end up in completely new purposes. Pastor Ray, I'm going to be on the front row when you're preaching someday again. Pastor Ray had a stroke. He's a retired pastor. Well, he's retired now, but not for permanent. We're praying, we're believing. We don't know how his story will end up. And Jesus is calling every single one of you to advance his kingdom too. Before Jesus left, he had these instructions for his disciples and for all of us. He said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That means you. That means me. That means all of us. Like Anna who came before us, we're to spread that good news that Emmanuel, God with us, has come to save the world. And that is the story of Christmas. So what about in real life? We always have the real life application points. First of all, you know, you say, well, you know, I'm not much for talking. I can't be proclaiming. Yes, you can. Take one of those cards and give it to your neighbor. You're proclaiming, okay? So I started with the easiest one first. (laughs) Second, show up. Did you notice this part? So it's like Anna lives in the, she lives in the temple or near it. And she's there all the time. I want you to know that when I get in my car, my iPhone says to me, 18 minutes to New Hope Foursquare Church. (laughs) Because I'm always coming here. (laughs) Right? Hang out. You don't have to have super skills. Come work in the office. Come help in the food pantry. Right? There's so many things. If you just want to hang out with people, you don't have to do anything super spiritual. All those people... Who worked on the building they have friends they had fun i mean it's not just about getting up and preaching everybody's not called to that but come and be with god's people like anna did yeah. next if you're like in one of those big detours and you feel like you're dangling from the side of a mountain with gosh how am i going to get off of this horrible place don't walk alone and don't give up hope we have lots of ways we can connect with you. Pastor Isaac already mentioned this connection card. I go to prayer time at Tuesday at 11 with my 95-year-old mama who comes with me. And we take these seriously. These are all prayed over. Put that request in there, right? The other thing you can do is um, we now have, if you were here at commissioning, 17 Stephen ministers, right? Um, These cards are in the back of the seat back pocket. You don't fill them out for other people. You fill them out for yourself. I want someone to come and walk with me through this. They're not counselors, but they're just people who will listen and be there for you. Once a week for an hour, okay? Men need Stephen ministers too. Men in our culture have been made to feel very self-reliant. It's a lie from the enemy. Men have horrible hard times. And you too can ask to have just a guy come and sit with you and talk. There's nothing weird about it. These go in the mailbox right outside donya 's office to the left of the men's bathroom so that they can be kept confidential. No one will know anything about it. Okay? And finally, can't you just listen to this and know that we need to get serious about our prayer life. So, many of you work, but if you're not working, on Tuesday morning at 11 o'clock, we meet together in the fireside room. Caleb came on his, it's a 16-year-old boy, came and joined us on his week off for Thanksgiving. What a blessing. We have people of all ages coming. It doesn't matter if you're or if you're 95, we have two (laughs) 95-year-olds. We have Faye and my mom. All ages are welcome. We get serious praying. The other time you can join us is 8.15. Oh, your second service. You can still get up and come. At 8.15, we gather in here and we pray for everything that's going to happen. We pray for each one of you, right? Commit to pray daily. And the last thing I want to say is that there's going to be all kinds of people to pray. You guys get up right now and go to your places, the people who are going to be doing the praying. I've asked a bunch of my Stephen ministers, people on council, elders, um, many people to pray with you today. Do you, do you know that when there was a chance to pray during those 10 and a half years when I was sick, I went every single time. Somebody usually had to help me get there, my husband. I went every single time. It's not stupid to go every time. It's not like, oh, I'm bothering God. No. Every time, God wants you to ask and keep on asking. There's some people in the back if you feel like, gee, I don't want to go to the front. Look for these guys, little name badges. There are other people from council and elders to pray with you. Where two or more are gathered, there is the Lord. We need to start being people of prayer. So I want you all to get up right now. Pastor James is going to lead us in another song. Find your way to these people and join in prayer.